Hey, I'm Scotty Young, and you're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. <laughs> Wow, it's been years since we've done this. So long. I know. We should make it happen more often, I think. It feels different when it's not live. Yeah, well... Yeah, I mean, I, hopefully this will be, uh... This will be suitable enough for the diva to actually release into the ether. Oh, the diva. I love that. Yeah, someone's concerned with quality and they're a diva. If he'll fit. I guess. I don't know. You know, when, when you have exacting standards, it's hard to relinquish. It's hard to release. Yeah. You're know, like, my sachet of potpourri just broke, so I have to... can't release the episode. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, she cut too close to the quick when I got manicured. You know, like I said uh, a couple my seconds ago. My is sore. My goodness. I do <laughs> love you. And and we love you, people, because this is 11 O'Clock Comics, episode 741. And uh, the real 741. And more on that later. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm, I am Vince B., Oh, you are Vince B. I miss you so much. I am David A. Price. You are David A. Price, and I miss you and Vince B. Because, of course, I am Michael Strongheart, also known as the Canadian. You actually read it? Maybe. Wow, I am stunned. Excellent. Uh, but you're not the Canadian. You and He looks so much like Captain Canuck, but I guess that's the point, right? And, and uh, uh, Vindicator. But anyway, you are Jason Wood, everybody here together. Well, not really, but in the same virtual room, uh, we have stories. And this episode, as always, y'all, is brought to you by Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com, where you can get your books, get them fast, get them delivered straight to your door for a fraction of whatever everybody else is paying. Unfortunately, it's too early in the month. I cannot regale you with the specials because they aren't up yet but once they do hit the interwebs you know you're certain that the discounts will be very very deep and there will be a whole lot of them so go to dcbservice.com and why they're usually up by what the sixth the seventh right mm-hmm. they're coming yeah. they're coming uh there's a lot of cool books in the previews this month so fingers crossed a lot of them smack dab right in the bullseye of those discounts dcbservice.com go there Do it. yeah quick and easy lemon squeezy right now we're wrapping and since we're wrapping i am not drinking lemon i am drinking cherry limeade water water word. water yeah mm-hmm. i drank so much beer this past weekend because uh, for the folks playing at home, Jason, David, and I met up on Saturday up in Peekskill. And we had a great time. But when you're together and you're socializing and, and you're not thinking about your waistline, you drink beer, of course, if you can. And uh, I did. And then Sunday, I go to Mike's house to play Magic, beer. Monday was Memorial Day, beer. Like, I've had so much beer, I, I don't feel like drinking it for a couple weeks now. Hey, sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. Right. But I'm worried about my girlish figure. 
I want to keep no it doubt. nice. Yeah, yeah. Hourglass. <laughs> Bowling pin. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not. I mean, I could care less about my physique, so I'm drinking water. Okay, Dap. No, not tonight. I am. Um, I'm. I uh, had some wine with dinner, so uh, now I am just finishing the night with some very cold, refreshing uh, seltzer. We unified suck. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well we're I mean, just extending our collective lives so that we can provide the listening audience that many more episodes into the future. That's sure, a very good way of looking uh, for looking at it. Yeah. Or, or, uh, make sure I see you guys. I mean, yeah, the listeners, that's cool. But, you know, uh, right. no, it's no, it, it's just one of those things where I am. I don't. Um, and it's like I, I was telling Vince before we started tonight. It, it's it's warm up here in my room, so um, I don't need to add the alcohol to it to help me dehydrate. Nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a little tidbit uh, from this weekend, uh, Dap. You're going to have to tell me the name of the bookstore where you got your Dick Tracy. Yeah, Bruised Apple Books and Music. Nice. So we are perusing the stacks at Bruised Apple Books and Music, and there's a graphic novel section. And who am I to not at least take a scan, quick scan of the shelves? And in addition to the uh, the spoiler that Dap dropped, that I did get a Dick Tracy collection, I found a book that I've been looking for for a long, long time. And uh, I'm not one to just run to eBay when I want a book, uh, because that's too easy. It's there. Uh, for a price, naturally, but I like it when the books come to me. And that sounds weird, but that's true. I like it when uh, out of the blue, unplanned, unprepared, bam, something I've been looking for for a long time just flaps right into my lap. And that's what happened. I found a copy of uh, Mythopoeicon by Patrick Woodruff. And this book was advertised in the back of the Warren magazines from Captain Company. It was promoted in Starlog way, way back in the day. I always wanted a copy, and bam, here it was. For I got it for 10 bucks, and it's in great condition. But as I'm looking through it, I said to Dap on the Slack, holy shit, it's a first edition. How does that happen? Um, I, I must have done something right and and the universe said, okay, here you go. Here's a little reward, um, young man. But for those of you who don't know who Patrick Woodruff is, he's an illustrator, um, paperback covers. You, If you're a metal fan, and uh, particularly a Judas Priest fan, Woodruff did the cover for Sad Wings of Destiny. It's a great album cover. Um, not... Uh, totally in line with his typical style, but it's in the ballpark. But, I mean, there is just... Uh, it's a creature compendium. There's just creatures strange and wonderful in this book, starships, fantasy settings. It's an amazing uh, monograph, and it's all in color. Thank you, Dap, for pushing me through the door of Bruised Apple Books and Records. I... I love that place. I, 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 I may not be in there every week, but I am in there a couple times a month. Um, we didn't find one for Jason with Moby Dick, but that place is lousy with first editions. I've, I've picked up um, 
comic book heroes, the 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 the, the Jules Pfeiffer book. I think that's the first edition. There's a uh, I have a um, an Asimov Foundation trilogy from like 1953. It's a hardback. Uh, it, it's oh I mean, man, the, the the things they have there. It's <laughs> it's insane. I love going through that place, man. Wow. Yeah, I meant to yeah, show I mean, you. You were standing right next to it. Sorry, Jason. No, no, I was going to say. I mean, I, I, as you alluded, I didn't find anything to. Uh, to get while it was in there, but I thought that store was groovy AF. It was it was badass. Yes, they had a nice little stack of uh, the uh, fantasy and science fiction digest. They had a, a great Edgar Rice Burroughs section, voluminous Edgar Rice Burroughs section, which is a stamp of approval for me, as far as I'm concerned. If you got a lot of Tarzan and and you know, uh, Made of Mars and all those books, I'm like, okay, uh, you've made it. You're there. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. Great job. Best cup of coffee. Look, Ma made it. <laughs> yeah. They had. I mean, he had a bunch of. Um, I don't know if they sold or if he moved them somewhere else, but he had a bunch of uh, uh, the small um, science fiction digest, the anthologies. Uh, he's he's got. Um, he had some old spy magazines for a while, and it, and and he's always rotating things around the uh the front window and the window display so a nothing gets hit with sunlight all the time but it um smart i'm always walking by i'm like that's neat and i'll go back in i've never bought anything from the window but he's always lured me in with uh with me seeing something um within and and sometimes it's it's like brand new books are out there too it's just i'll I'll walk by and 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 someone will have dropped off boxes waiting for him to open uh so they're just donating things and, and dropping things off and uh, but no, it's I. Like I said I, I love that story. I can't get enough. Yeah. He had a book I was eyeing up, on the wall behind the register, and that it, the fact that it was behind the register on the wall meant to me that it's going to be spendy. So I didn't ask how much it was, but it was a, a book about on the fugs, and uh, I was I was seriously considering, you know, at least inquiring as to how much it was. But then I probably would have bought it. So. <laughs> Better off that I didn't. So, yeah, it was a good time this weekend. We had a lot of fun. Uh, and the reason why we were joking coming into the episode when we said the real 741 was that we uh, had planned and did <laughs> record an episode together in the live and called it 741. But unfortunately, the audio quality on two of the three participants was not good. So um, we included it in the bonus content for our patrons. So uh, in case you were wondering, what do these patrons get? Well, this month alone, they're getting six and a half hours of extra material that nobody on the regular feed hears. So if you, you know, inquiring mind, you want to know, go to patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics and just see the amount of uh, extra stuff that we shovel every month. And we found some, we had some good chats. We did, and they're all in there. I recorded the exact moment when I pulled up to Dap's house. I, I made a point of, you know, press and record, got out, and so you'll hear, if you're a patron, <laughs> you'll hear myself and Jason arrive in Peekskill for the uh, the moment we arrive. It's captured for posterity. And uh, a lot of people are going, well, who cares? Yeah, but I mean, it's something, right? It's just a little bit of the EOC mythology that uh, mm, just adds mm-hmm. to that stack, right? Anyway, yeah, we, we chatted about all sorts of stuff. We, we did. did. And, and I mean, a lot of it was, 
uh, personal is not the right word for it, but it, like from the heart and just things that we're sentimental about or going down memory lane with a few things here mm-hmm. and there. Talking about some peeps that uh, we don't get to see all too often. Um, yep, it was. It was. It was. It was a really, really good time. It, and it, it was just, I think, the way it happened because we, we went out for a little bit. We came back. We did the recording. We went out again. So I mean, I, it was just. I think it was just a nice progression of the whole day. But we were comfortable. We just and and it seems to be a thing. You know, we just make our way to. To the kitchen slash dining room, and that's where we always end up. Whether we're at Jason's, so when we're at Vince's, that's where we have to set up too. But it's uh, yeah, I'm bummed that you know it didn't, it it, it wasn't uh, good enough for air. It, well, if I'm being honest, it's it was slightly not good enough for air. Uh, I could have very well just. Um, the The problem with it was in our usual usual recording. Um, mannerisms I split it into two tracks I'm in one track you and Jason are in another track so if my audio sounds bad I can fiddle with it without destroying your segment and vice versa but this was all in one audio file because of the way we recorded it was all piped into one channel and um, yeah it just it would have been very very it would have been bullpen bulletins level hard to edit so uh i just opted to and it doesn't sound really bad it's not like we're, we're giving the the patrons a big old lump of coal for their mm-hmm. their uh contributions no it sounds good it's just uh i think when it's dumbed down to 64k uh, a second mp3 mm-hmm. it would have been even more destructive to it so mm-hmm. oh, i'm just just glad you guys came by it was it was a fantastic time Yes. Yeah, it was great. Best damn eggplant I ever had in my entire freaking life. So <laughs> that's great. Damn, there's burger. there's that. Yeah. But that burger though. All good. All good. You know what else was good? What you read this week? We had yes, we had, we uh, everything I read was was just amazing. We have a couple of things though that we all um indulged in and we're going to tell you about the first one um hyperbole uh, I don't know. I think uh, the creators of this book are pretty much the best uh, creators making comics these days. I've said it before, and I no doubt will say it again. Uh, Brubaker and Phillips. It's it's very hard to touch these guys. And now with the addition of Phillips's son, Jacob, uh, it, 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 it's elevated another uh, bunch of notches. I, I think Jacob's contribution to the book is immeasurable i'm talking about the second volume of reckless this one's called friend of the devil and i'm wondering if ed is a grateful dead fan (laughs) because he likes to work movie and song titles into the either the titles of his books or the chapter uh headings of his book so I'm, i'm just wondering if if uh bruised down with the dead i would hope because it's a great song. It's a classic song, but uh, entirely appropriate for this volume. And you might be asking yourself why. Well, we'll tell you. And I'm not going to spoil it because this just came out and it is a mystery. So to, no, I won't get all excite. I'll just, I'll, 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 I'll do the, the little tiny synopsis. Um, 1985 is the year 
and Ethan Reckless is doing what he's doing. He's on the hunt for a a man that has gone missing. And so he has to check some uh, some data, so he goes to the library. And uh, while he's at the library, he meets a young lady by the name of Lynn Tran. Um, and uh, he embarrasses himself at first. I'll leave that to you to, to <laughs> find out why. Um, and she, she directs him to the area in which he, his information would be best uh, uncovered. But they become friendly because she's, she's very fetching. And there's an obvious chemistry when, when they first meet each other. Um, she's curious about him, uh, he, vice versa. And they, uh, they become a... Um, uh, I don't want to say a couple because, uh, you know, the, the relationships in, in Ethan's uh, world do not last long. But the, but they have, the benefits. they have a thing, right? They have yeah. a little thing going on. Um, turned out uh, Lynn, uh, one afternoon as Ethan was watching a movie in his little uh, theater, he's watching a film called um, Sirens of Satan. And this is where Brubaker, again, won me over because uh, he goes into the, the, the legend of this film. And the, the, the Sirens of Satan was made by a film company called New Galaxy International. And the, uh, the head honcho there, who also directed the film, was a guy named Ross Norman. And Norman rhymes with Corman, as in Roger Corman, who was the head of New World uh, pictures. Wow. So, you know, it's those, and he, Brubaker does this all the time. If he doesn't smash together two very, very prominent, uh, legendary comic creators in, in a, in a name like, like, uh, Kirby Lee, you know, like he, he does it all the time. He likes to, to stick film, uh, notables in his, uh, or at least, Soundalikes to film, as in this case, right? So uh, Ethan's watching the film, and uh, Lynn's like, "Whoa, whoa! St- can you can you rewind that?" And turns out her sister was in the film, and and Ethan's like, "What's up?" He goes, "She's that's my sister Maggie. I haven't seen her forever. She just like fell off the map. We don't know where she is. What's up?" So Ethan, being the person that he is, gets on the case and tries to find uh, Lynn's sister, Maggie. And it descends into uh, what turns out the producer of Sirens of Satan was found stabbed to death, buried in the desert, dude named Jay Jeffers. Um, And a young starlet who participated in the film was found stabbed to death. Uh, so there's a there's a legacy of of murder that uh, surrounds this film, and so he's he knows right from the beginning. There's a point in his investigation when he's like, "Yeah, this is not going to turn out good. I'm going to break this poor girl's world. Um, never, probably never see her again." I mean, that's the stock and trade of Ethan Reckless. That's what happens, right? And and there's a, a satanic cult called the Church of the Fallen that's somehow involved, and there's uh, Nazi skinheads involved. It's just, it's, I don't want to call it typical Brubaker, but he's he's playing to his strengths in this book. And uh, once again, um, I don't want to compare it to the first volume because it's a, it's a, I think it's a different story than the first. Um, 
But this character of Ethan Reckless, like, I absolutely love this guy. Because uh, I think we're cut from the same cloth. Um, he's uh, a bit unfeeling, right? Uh, not only because of the, the explosion, but he he's walled himself off in many ways from the world. And he does what he deems necessary. Like, he does not hesitate to kill. This is this is not your 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 knight in shining armor. This guy is, um, you know, good guys wear black. He he will not hesitate to take you out if he feels you know the need. And there's a uh, an epilogue of sorts where it shows the lengths to which Ethan will go to quote solve the case. Like there there were dangling chads involved in after the resolution. There were a couple bits that you know were still extant. Uh, in this this world, and he took care of him. I'm not going to spoil it, but that's what he does. And and taking care of these uh, uh, leftovers was obviously not easy, and was not without bloodshed. So uh, this guy's like aces in my book. I love Reckless. I think he's great. He is a great character, and I uh, I will say that uh, this book was. One of the books that best week ever that I said I liked more than Monsters. Well, uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I really love you, I do, but mm, I can't. No, I, I, I don't think this this uh, comes close to Monsters. I mean, you're allowed to be wrong every now and then. It's not wrong, Bubba. <laughs> I mean, we'll let the people uh, decide. Monsters was an event. This this book is another link. Uh, Reckless is another link in a fantastic chain of 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 creation from Brubaker and Phillips. It's 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 amazing. It's wonderful, but it's not a it's not a four hundred page uh, what thirty five year project. That well, mon- monsters was that trip you take to the museum and you see things and you feel like you're smarter for it and you appreciate everything you saw, but doesn't ignite your heart. And this is the second or third movie in a franchise that you just adore and can't wait to watch again as soon as you finish watching it. Well, I, I mean, I don't think it's completely fair to compare Reckless to junk food, but I get it. I understand. It's 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 eminently satisfying. On um, in some ways, that Monsters was not. But didn't I don't think it intended to be. I don't know. I, I it just makes me uncomfortable yeah. comparing anything anything <laughs> to monsters. I'm sorry. Yeah. It, it's 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 not it, it's not fair to do the whole compare and contrast. I mean, one's a singular vision that 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 someone spent so much time crafting and, and, and bringing to and, life, and you felt it in every page. Yes, and uh, and and. Reckless is another example of of a creative team that is bat a thousand and knows just what to deliver, um, and and how to deliver it. it. It's 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 a great book. I I it, it it's one of those things that you know I'm I'm that makes me glad to be a comic book fan. Um, I'm going to smile whenever I see this on the bookshelf, sitting right next to the first Reckless book. Uh, it's it was it's it's because it's it's fresher in my mind. And because it's 1985, so it's a little. It's it's obviously it's later than it takes place after the first book. Um, I, I I tend to, I, I'm liking 
I'm liking Friend of the Devil a little more than I mean the first one was great because it set up the world and and introduced us to Ethan and uh, you know I I I I'm a fan of Anna and and I like I said on the Slack I'm I'm concerned about the third book because when you look at the cover it looks like something drastic happens and 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 I'm not ready to to see that happen but uh, it's it's um just before you move on keep that uh-huh. thought uh, I don't want to lose this 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 idea sure the the levels to which Brubaker invests himself into this story there was a movie poster on the wall in the theater uh in ethan's theater mm-hmm. did you notice what it was i i i think i did um well it's the title of the third book it was the poster for destroy all monsters so the the oh, movie yeah, poster then yeah, yeah yeah the movie poster for the title yes, of right his doa that yeah is, i saw the doa poster and then I, yes 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 but that's that's crazy seed planting like, yeah. how many people... I noticed it because I'm a huge fan of that movie uh, and that genre in general, but to put the poster for Destroy All Monsters in issue two and the title of your third book is Reckless Destroy All Monsters, that's, to me, it's like Brubaker cares about what he's doing. Is to the point where he invests that kind of thought into just seemingly inconsequential stuff. Does it really matter? That the the poster for Destroy All Monsters was in the theater. Well, it matters to Brew, and that I like that. I like that he he does that. Yeah. And now I can. It's not going to be on the forefront of my mind, but now I have a couple of months to figure out just who exactly the monsters might be. Because here, obviously, friend of the devil. There's the whole you know the, the sirens of Satan and 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 the big bad, and there's so there's that um, devil satanic element in the story it's also in the title so um now i'm not sure what year the next book takes place in what i like is that um this is obviously the, the way the story is laid out is ethan is sitting somewhere and and recalling these these stories he's he's he's, he's reta- whether he's telling this to someone or himself whether we ever find out i don't know but obviously he's somewhere because this story takes place 30 years prior to him sitting down telling whoever this story. So, um, you know, for some people that might take away some of the drama or tension of whether or not Ethan's going to get out of whatever situation he's in, in a bag, handcuffed in a trunk. Um, now obviously he does get out if he's telling the story, but I, you're so invested. You're so like, in the what's going on on the page i don't it, it i i forget that he's telling us this story and, and i'm just i'm in the moment and and it and and that's that's testament to to brew because it's he's able to not trick me but he, he's able to to actually put aside any 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 baggage i come with and and just tell me a story and i'm just sitting there sitting you know cross-legged looking up at the tv mouth agape just like i i can't believe i'm watching it this is just, I'm, I'm a kid in, in 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 his hands basically but the um and we're of course praising ed to no end but the the phillips boys do do some fantastic work here it, it's um i i I feel like they kind of just go all out on reckless. Obviously, yes, they do on criminal and, and, and they have their story they want to tell and it's serialized and it's broken up in 
in 22, 30 page chunks. Uh, but here they're just going all out, start to finish. And I don't know how high I'm going to be in the roller coaster before I come crashing down again. And, and I, I, cause I'm just, I'm, yeah, I know when I'm getting to the end of the book, but I don't know what the hell's going to go on before I get through these hundred or so pages. It's, it's crazy. When you take the track that Brubaker did in this book, meaning that your protagonist is re- relating a tale that's 30 years old, the reader immediately knows that, well, nothing's, like you said, nothing's going to happen to this character, um, at least not in this volume. Right. But I think that's a, the sign of a confident creator um, where he realizes that there's an untouchable in this book. Um, yes, he could bleed and get beaten up and whatever, but for for all intents, he's going to make it out of the story alive. I think the 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 uh, part of the the narrative that sucks you in are the satellites around uh, Reckless. Like, do you really think we're going to see much more of Frank Hancock? I I maybe another book. Like, there's going to be a point in this series where Frank's going to die. Right, and and he's yeah. been a he's been uh, a guiding light in the first two books. Uh, a lot of uh, Ethan's uh, course would not have been able to be plotted if it wasn't for Frank. Like he he gives him clues, he gives him little nuggets, and and Ethan follows up on them. And I, I think it's going to be neat to see how Ethan how his procedure changes when he doesn't have Frank there to to nudge him along uh if he's as good as he says he is or or not if we think he is uh that's going to be cool like and we've seen the women in in ethan's life some of them don't make it some of them just go away but they're they're out of the picture for for the sake of the narrative they might as well be dead because they're not in it anymore Right, so that's where Brubaker gets me. Not in the character of Ethan Reckless being susceptible to death. It's it's all these characters around him, like Anna. You don't know that she's going to make it out of the, out of this series, right? That's going to kill me. If right, she could die in the next volume if the theater blows up. You know, <sighs> she. I'm just saying. Um, I think that's where Brubaker knows. He's confident. He knows his strengths. Uh, he presents a character that's extremely three-dimensional, and it's the the equally rendered characters around him. That's where he he worms his way into your uh, your heart. Yeah, it's it's a neat approach. I like it. Works for me. Yeah, for sure. Like in this book, there was not a second that I thought. I mean, not knowing already knowing that he's going to get out of it, but I didn't fear for his well-being at all. In fact, I thought the big bad was a bit of a pussy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I go with that. I mean, for all of the mayhem he caused, I don't think the resolution measured up to the 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 uh the tall tales, right? Everybody was afraid no, yeah, of Yeah. You know. And not not now when you compare it to uh the crap you went through in the first book. Face it off against that right, guy. That, right. was, that that was that was harrowing in a way, but no, this was um, you know, I I I I liked this book a lot. I really did, and I, I I couldn't put it down. I started reading it, and next thing I know, I'm like, holy crap! Like it just it. That's the whole thing about it sucking you in. It didn't it didn't feel nothing felt padded or drawn out. It moved at a really good clip. Um, it 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 
seemed to just hit all the right beats for me. I, I there was uh, if I felt the part where you know I might have okay, this is a good time to, to pause and take a break. I turn the page and 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 I'm I'm, I'm sucked back in again. Yeah, these guys make everybody else look bad. It's just ridiculous. Um, what else was kind of ridiculous was that out of the blue, uh, Discount Comic Book Service told us that we were receiving a free signed book plate to everybody who pre-ordered this book. We received a a, a, a book plate signed by Brubaker and Phillips. It's insane. It's insane. Yeah. Uh, also crazy was the amount of uh, strips that you had to peel off the back of this thing to stick it on the inside front cover of your book. There's like seven strips that you have to peel off. It's not just one piece. It's it's it was weird. But anyway, uh, did and you put I, it above the, uh, the the mountain pine? I put it on the inside front cover, where a book plate goes. No, but like right in the middle. Or yeah, did you placed somewhere. Okay. Oh, right in the middle. There you go. And it looks great. And now I have a personalized copy of uh, Friend of the Devil, as do we all. It's amazing. DCBService.com. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, anything to wrap up, Jason? Okay. Nope. Nope. Nice. All good, brother. So what you got? Um, well, let's talk North Force, because I had no idea when I read it that it was a copy of savage dragon <laughs> he multi-purposed yeah he multi-purposed the issue because it's uh, it, no, I, I remember that in the previews that that he it was a, a, a reprint if you want to say yeah i fell off the savage dragon uh but then with the ant being solicited and i was like oh it's cool he's gonna be doing two books that's kind of neat and then lo and behold i see this north four zero issue and i'm like what is this because it's a canadian team and of course Lords, no, I love the Alpha Flight, like you read about. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, is Larson like doing a little Alpha Flight pastiche here? And damned if he wasn't. So I jumped in cold, and I got to give him huge props because uh, he gives the editors notes, man. He he oh, yeah. he let me know where shit was where, where shit went down that they reference without me having read it. Now yeah. I still obviously didn't didn't hadn't read the issue, so I had to take his word for it. But it was still I thought I still liked the nod. I liked that he 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 reminded me of like, hey, if you're interested in, in knowing more about this, you can go back and read these issues. So much love to him for that. Um, no idea about really the, the setup here, other than that he Malcolm comes upon this group of seemingly normal people playing pool, and uh, he's absolutely gobsmacked that they are a super team. Because they just look normal, and they're all like, "Dude, do you, like, what the fuck do you think we would like? Why, why would we look like we do when we're our super selves? Like, that would be annoying. No one would ever. We'd never get any privacy." And then, of course, he's like, he looks the way he does, so he uh, he doesn't live that life. Uh, and then he just—it's hilarious. He just grills them about their like their seeming like their seeming lack of competence. He's like, "Well, why didn't you help with this?" And then they just have like perfectly logical answers that you never see in a superhero book. Like mm-hmm. they'll be like, "Well, because we were in Saskatchewan that day fighting this thing," and then, "Well, we weren't there because you had help otherwise," or oh, "We weren't there because we were across the other side of the country and we don't know how to. Te- we're not able to teleport." Like it was just like, and he's and he, but he just he just kept he's he just was having none of it. He just didn't understand why this team couldn't couldn't do everything. Um, 
yeah, and then he gets pretty much hooked into them for a, a battle that ensues. We get to see all of them transform into their appropriate super selves. Uh, and I was down for it, man. I, I love Larson's artwork, and he's always funny. And I have to say, much like the last time I was reading Savage Dragon, every time I jump back in, I think, why did I jump back out? Like it's, I always enjoy it when I read it, so I don't know why I just don't keep reading it. That's a that's a, that's a, a me problem, not a not a Larson problem, but uh, but I'm intrigued again. So tell me, is North Force, is this just a weird one off, or or am I gonna, uh, am I exposed to these characters prior to this, and should I should I jump back on Savage Dragon? Well, it's hard to say, right? Because some of these characters have been you know trailing through the book, not for a long time, but um, since Malcolm emigrated to Canada in the wake of, of Trump. Um, Larson builds... You saw the editor's notes, right? Uh, he he lets the wind blow him wherever it may. Like, he he's a, a creature of impulse if he wants to... Like, this makes no sense that he would do a North Force Zero issue in tandem mm-hmm. with a set. Like, it just... it Okay. But I, you're I, saying it's the same issue, though, is what you're saying. It's exactly the same, but the back matter has um, all hot yeah. pages. Yeah, so of course I adored. I mean, I, I, you know, I was turgid. <laughs> so wait, did you buy the North Force issue, or did you buy? Oh, okay. Yeah, it's exactly the same as Savage the Dragon. And the the thing was, Larson's like, oh, it's reformatted. It is. It's really not. <laughs> it's, if you call adding pages to the end reformatting, then yeah, I guess it is. But it's it's basically the same issue, and uh, so when you say you fell off Savage Dragon, you don't buy it, or you stop reading it, but you still buy it. No, no, I, I don't buy it. I no. Uh, there are very few constants in my comic collecting. I used to think Spawn was one of them, but uh, lately not so much. But Savage Dragon will never ever leave my pull list. If if yeah, no, I mean I get that. Yeah, I mean, if I'm destitute and have like money for only, you know, one book, it probably would be Savage Dragon. Yeah, uh, it, there's just bang for the buck. If not only the main story uh, is Larson at his challenging best because he's like I said, uh, the the story just careens all over the place uh, depending on his his mood, right? But the letters pages are usually like two. I know you don't read those like two or three pages then you have the back matter where one month it'll be a bunch of indie creators the next month it'll be um you know a more traditional superhero tale uh i just think it's an amazing book and um you know if if i had my druthers it would be top 10 but that that universe does not exist and Uh, another little thing i i loved and i'm presuming is not new to this particular issue is when he's on the phone with his wife they call each other little nicknames, but they're oh, constantly totally random. Yes. They're like a, they make no, like they're just totally random. Constantly yeah. does that, yeah. That's great. And I, I have to um, not pat him on the back, but he's a smart little critter because um, Savage Dragon frequently gets explicit, uh, what with Maxine being a nymphomaniac. Um, this issue didn't really have a lot of the super sexy Larson. Which I think was smart if you're trying to get uh, someone interested in a super team and then distract them with 
the wife of the main character sitting on his face. You know, I mean, that is Larson, though, in in usual um, Savage Dragon language. But in this instance, I just think he was wise not to resort to the the uh, the cheesecake or the ultra sexy just to you know uh, gain readers because he wants them to read it for the Canadian characters, right? Right. Not his wife's pencil eraser nipples. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, if you had to guess, would you think that this ant ongoing is going to be short lived? Or get, do you think he'll get he'll get tired of it? Yeah, he'll okay. do it. He'll do it till he's had his fill, and then yeah, he'll move on to something else. Mm-hmm. Look at Freak Force. I mean, he invested yeah. a ton of time in Freak Force, and then it was just like, eh, I'll move on to something else. And then those characters just kind of worm their way into the the Savage Dragon title proper. So he doesn't really abandon things. He just right. he he proves a point, I think, and then he moves on. Like, okay, but yeah. you got to admit he's been doing the same book for two hundred fifty nine issues. Todd no can't doubt. say that. None of the image <laughs> guys can say that. No, no they can't. Nope. I mean. He, he... And we 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 talk about our love of anthologies. I mean, he he has enough characters to to do his own anthology every month, but uh, or even a flip book. But I, I mean, obviously, the dragon is the is bread and butter, and 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 where his heart is at. When he has yeah. the itch, he can spoof an alpha flight or anything like that. But uh, no, I I I have the um, I'm way behind on us. I mean, I, I bought two fifty. And uh, I have a couple others ready to go, but um, I'm behind on it, so I didn't read the original issue yet that the zero issue is in. But I wanted to grab the zero issue for the uh, for the extras. Yeah, I let it stack up. I'll usually read about four or five issues at a time, sometimes more, depending on you know the things like when monsters hit. Yeah, I'm not gonna put monsters to the side to read Savage Dragon. Eric would probably approve of that, right? Um, but uh, I like reading it in chunks. Uh, it's, that uh, makes sense. Yeah. Um, but his his fight scenes, I think, he he's one of the greatest fight choreographers ever. It's just, he, he has a, a facility with people throwing punches at each other and destroying... Uh, buildings and stuff and and you know cityscapes that not not a, not a lot of guys can match it mm. uh, yeah he's just amazing um we need to get him on again yeah it's been a minute yep it's been a hell of a minute and he has things to talk about right now he does right i, I would love to ask him what's up with todd does he really think these books are gonna sell <laughs> does, Jesus. It, it, are are we killing all these trees for a reason or is it just todd's ego i don't know uh but whatever, whatever the case. I don't know. Yeah. So, uh, Dap, you want to go before I, I make you both groan? Or do you want to... Groan. Uh, you may. <laughs> Come on now. Um, yeah, because I didn't... I mean, after Reckless and, and uh, the other book we're going to tag on, I didn't... I didn't get a chance to um, do much. I, I was actually I was um, kind of picking. Through. Like I said I was. I, there are I have I like a bunch of things that I'm I'm picking at, and I don't have anything completely 
finish to bring to the table. But one thing I did read, which kind of went by pretty quick, was um, was an ad house offering, and uh, and it's you know because it's ad house, it, it went into the cart right away. Really, before I even bothered to read read to solicit, um, but it is uh, it's a book called Turtle Mechs from Stephen Christie, who uh, who's Australian. And, and wrote and drew this story that uh, is basically about a uh, an art heist collective. And I know very little about the um, about the art world, about how how that that the installations and and setting up the galleries and and all all the minutia and 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 the behind the scenes stuff. I know very little about that. I, I the high school I went to. Um, Every school in Yonkers, you didn't have to go to the school that was closest to you. You could actually go to whichever school you were interested in that program. So you had the trade school, you had the technical school. Uh, Roosevelt was the arts school, so that's where I went, and I went in for um, went in for the fine arts program, um, which kind of wasn't what I was really looking for. I was more into the graphic design or advertising, something like that is where I kind of had my my site. So when I saw this book, I was like, okay, you know, it's about the art world. Let, 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 let's see, you know, what I missed out on. Um, and not that this is going to tell you that, because it's kind of an alternate reality kind of thing. Like one of the, the workers at one of the galleries is, is looks like a dinosaur. And uh, it's, it's a strange kind of alienish world. Um, it still feels like New York city, but um the people look um, puffy and cartoony. Some of them almost look like you could find them in in a um, in a New Yorker panel gag. It, it's 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 that kind of that kind of art. More more of um, more of just sight gag type type imagery. But the 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 story. We're introduced to Sam and Jules, and um, Sam is their 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 art students. Um, they uh, and they're pretty much done with school, and they are at a um, they're at a gallery where the the students, the artists, don't make any money. It's all donated. Uh, it's basically all to kind of like heroes where it's just going to, you know, the money generated is, is, is going to allow us to have the show on again next year. And, um, and Sam Jules realizes that, you know, later on in the evening that Sam is missing his flower and you're, you're the reader. You're introduced to Sam. You've never seen this flower. You have no idea what they're talking about. Um, and basically this, this flower um is he he um he basically leaves it on a windowsill and 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 not not necessarily to mock what everybody else is doing but just you know it's just a flower it's you know he's ready to let it go and 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 it bas- and, and the flower looks just like a really big necklace because they do a flashback of him in class with the flower and how everybody met him and he's wearing this damn flower and um so he uh jules really hammers at home that you know this 
the flower basically defines you, man. Like, like everybody, everybody knows you because of that damn flower. Like, how are you just going to give it away? How, how, how do you, how do you, how are you just going to let it go? And, and then it starts to get to him. And, um, and before he, he can go and, and reclaim it, it's marked his sold. And, um, and, and so the, uh, the gallery manager is like, you know, it, it, it sold for $500. You know, it, it's, uh, it's, it's a shame you don't get to keep the money. And, and, and the manager's like, I think it's a fantastic work. It really speaks from the heart. Everyone knows how important that flower was to you. And now, and, and now he's feeling super guilty and, and regretting it. And, uh, he's been through so much with this damn flower. It's really important to him. And, um, and he wants it back. But she's like, no, it's it's been sold. You can go and talk to the person who bought it. Um, maybe, you know, they'll take care of you. But uh, yeah, we got, you know, it's it's sold. So he goes to um, he goes to the gallery where uh, where it's going to be installed and put on display. And he can't. He he goes to reclaim it. He revokes its static its status as an art object um but it's protected by an aura because the new owner says you can't deconceptualize this work sam i've already curated it and they go through this whole whole thing about the, uh, there's art law because their friend stacy comes into play and 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 she quits school so she can become an art lawyer and it kind of has some fun things here and there but um the crew jewel sam stacy the lawyer uh and um and they end up uh, with, a, uh, with a couple of the guys, and and they're going to pull off a heist, the whole regular Ocean's Eleven kind of thing, where they're just going to um, steal this flower back, and and this way Sam can be whole again. And you know, so they get the video artist, uh, who's Casper. His name is Casper. Um, Ryan, Ryan, they have an issue with Ryan because Ryan actually ripped off. Um, one of Jules's uh, performance pieces where she used her body to, uh, to go through the letters of the alphabet. And um, Christy just really kind of has fun with this. It's, it's, it's not, it's not a very long graphic novel. Um, the, the, the coloring is kind of colored pencil. Like it's, it's not pastel-y, but it, uh, it, it's kind of got that, uh, color pencil feel there are parts of, i i probably i probably would have laughed more or have gotten a lot more of the jokes um were i spending my days in in galleries and um flipping through auction catalogs and things like that but but on its own as it is with with, with my limited knowledge it it was uh it was still extremely entertaining i dug the characters i i i, I felt for sam um the uh the little puns here and there that crop up uh definitely amusing i i, I had fun with it i think um, um i'm 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 glad ad house published it because I, I i gave it a shot um but i think uh i think this is uh it, it, like i said it, it was very entertaining i didn't know what to expect and and uh i'm not disappointed at all i'm going to uh check out what else um Stephen Christie has done. I know he, uh, the, the back matter said he previously, uh, his first comic arrowheads was published in 2019. So I want to uh, see if I can, if I could find that, but this was, uh, this was good. Turtlenecks. 
by Stephen Christie, published by Adhouse. How does one deconceptualize a piece of art? Do you just... You got to read it and find out. Do you just... They just say things. They say words, and that's what... It's it's crazy. It's just they, they it, as soon as they say something, I guess that like becomes that's oh you, have to, you say it and and it becomes realized and and you can't you know no backsies. It's just it's it's crazy, man. It's it's so weird. So the flower was a was a piece of it was an installation. It was an actual flower. Or, it wasn't or, a real flower. It was something that Sam had made. Oh, so it was a sculptural thing. Yes, 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 yes. It was it was a physical. Um, almost like maybe like a violet it's it's it had a um uh six petals uh and the iris in the middle but um uh it it's a um so he was known for this thing and somebody bought it and somebody bought it and he the am i getting it correctly that the gallery person said just divest yourself from it and then it doesn't mean anything anymore like when he said to deconceptualize it does it mean like disavow the creation and then all of a sudden like i i gotta read this because i want to see what's up yeah yeah i mean he's like sam's like it's my concept of loss and i'm taking it with with me and and he breaks into the case and he goes to run off with it but the dinosaur stops him and and, and beats him up and and the owner is like, i'm really disappointed in you sam the opening was will will we'll carry on uh but but clearly you're not invited um hmm and and so 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 Jules is like I've decided my new art practice is stretching canvases. I find it incredibly peaceful, unlike painting, which I find very stressful. Okay. <laughs> and it's yeah, I gotta read it. Weird dudes, man. I I, I really want you to read this. Cause yeah, I, I can't commit. That's what I, he's saying. Can't I, commit I, to the brushstroke. <laughs> I, 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 I gotta hear your thoughts, man. Yeah, I want to read it. And it, you said it right on the nose. It's from Adhouse. Vince B biography or no. <laughs> There is a preview if you go to stephenchristie.net, that's C-H-R-I-S-T-I-E.net, you can um, you can see a preview. Yeah, I, well, I looked at the art. It, it looks like, um, oh, I, I can't, uh, it looks like uh, a strip that was in the back pages of National Lampoon, and I can't remember the artist's name, but uh, that's a compliment. I think the art looks really, really cool. So, yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll check this out. Nice. All right. Um, I talked up the first issue of this series in episode 728. And since then, I've been letting them stack up. And I just uh, read issues two to four of a book written by Scott Snyder. Illustrated by Tony Daniel. And color art by Tumeo More. And it's Noctera. And you're probably, you're probably reading it. Um... In these three issues, I love it that Snyder's not playing it close to the vest uh, and dragging along the, the question marks and the reader through, you know, whatever uh, story he, he decides to tell and just keeps you buying issues. There's a lot of information in these three issues that um, reveals uh, many, many details about, you know, the strange dark world uh that has uh impacted the planet after this thing called the big pm right and it's neat because the reaction um much like what we saw with the the covid pandemic there was uh two reactions there was the immediate reaction um where people had 
no, they were optimistic. We're going to get through this, man. Uh, they had faith in in both, you know, social services and whatever higher power uh, in which they they were they believed. And the planet's going to come through this calamity. We're going to be okay. And then there's the part where uh, the 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 moment where the realization sinks in. At least in this narrative, um, all those belief systems have crumbled. The uh, the social services, the police, the fire, uh, you know, medical uh, services, they have not been able to solve any of the problems. In fact, a lot of those people have now turned into turned into shades or smudges uh, from this darkness. And um, religion doesn't really isn't doing anything <laughs> because if you uh, if you invest time uh, praying, you'll probably die because something will break into wherever you are and, and just take you out. So it, it just shows that all of the things to which we cling as human organisms are irrelevant in the this uh, disaster. That's what it is. It's it's a it's a planet wide wide disaster. The sun has gone out, and it has been replaced by darkness. And in the darkness, there are nasty, icky things that um, would either destroy you or turn you, right? So, in issues two to four, we get revelations, right? There's this, uh, like I said, Doctor Augustus, that old man that uh, petitions Val to take him to this sanctuary, he, he reveals that he and his brother, Tiberius, created a machine. And the, the purpose of this machine was to detect invisible cosmic particles across dimensions. And he calls these dimensions terras. And he postulates that there are nine of them in total. And the goal uh, with the machine was to, to detect the particles emanating from the first terra, which is called Lux, and this is a bathed in light, and it's this this dimension on which all the other planes are overlaid. So he wanted to open a doorway to this plane of of heavenly light. Unfortunately, uh, if you've been reading the book, things didn't turn out as hypothesized, and the contraption opened a door to Noctera, the plane of darkness. So there's meaning now in the title. It's uh, literally dark. Terra means Earth, right? Um, so what he wants to do, and why they're going to this sanctuary, is that uh, he and his granddaughter are on a quest to bring back the light. And he needs the Sundog convoy, Val calls herself Sundog, uh, in helping making that happen. Hi, but Augustus is, is, is uh, not only manipulating the truth, but he's flat out lying. Uh, he's... Uh, imparting optimism where there should be none. Let's just say that. And then um, Snyder invents this villain. Uh, it's a guy named Blacktop Bill. And I don't know what it is about teeth uh, that Snyder has uh, a hard-on for, but this Blacktop Bill, he's completely black. And you can see a giant sp spread of teeth. Like this rictus. And all of the members of his little group they all have the same teeth thing going on and it's uh he lets a little bit leak that this blacktop bill may have been created in the lab involved in which augustus was involved it's he's not very specific but i'm sure we'll learn 
And so this blacktop bill is being employed by someone who does not want Augustus to achieve his goal, right? And adding fuel to the fire, Val's brother Emery is infected. And he's turning very quickly, which is the whole reason Val bought into Augustus's scheme in the first place, is to get to this sanctuary place where she was told there would be like an argon or a xenon bulb. That's the thing. If you bathe the infected in a, a bulb with sufficient sufficiently powerful bulb, like a, a xenon bulb or argon bulb, it'll purge the infection from the, the person. So she wants to save her brother, and he's like, yeah, they got them bulbs there. So she's like, all right, you, you lying bastard, I'll take you, but, you know. But the, 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 the three issues that I read, Snyder's got this duality thing going on. Uh, there are, like Twin Peaks, there are, there are pairs of things in the narrative. Augustus and Tiberius, for all intents and purposes, look like twins. They look like the exact same person. So you got duality there. Augustus has a notebook in which he detailed all of the, the, the workings of the machine that he built, but there's a real notebook and there's a fake notebook. And then you have, I mean, the book is built on duality, darkness and light. And then you have humans post infection where they're in one state and then they flip into this dark savage nasty monstrous creature state so i mean you have opposites and companions i guess it's it's very much um ripped from the the playbook of of david lynch but i mean there's just cool stuff in this whole book um because people uh, have apparently fallen by the wayside. There's isolated pockets of, of people just trying to stay alive. Um, there's not a surplus of gasoline. Um, cars and trucks run on battery power. So they have created these things called ports, which are uh, roadside installations that have um, charging stations. That, that you can, you know, refuel, in quotes, your vehicle and, per, you know, proceed on your path, but they're, they're like, dripping with neon. It just, was just a reason uh, for uh, Daniels to do what he does really well. Like, there's a tree, and there's all neon, um, you know, uh, shop signs hanging from it. It's really well lit, so I mean, if it's not well lit, the things can attack you. And uh, I, I just, there's... There's something about this book that I just love. I, I think it's it's wonderful. Probably uh, one of the best things I've read from from Snyder. It's it's this really cohesive, self-contained universe. You don't have to buy a shit ton of tie-ins to get you know the big picture. It it doesn't feature um, well-known characters. This is all ground-level storytelling from you know from the ground up. I, I think it's great. And I've said it before, but I have never seen Tony Daniel look this good. It, his artwork is amazing. He's way, uh, like, I, I enjoyed his work back in the Image days. Uh, I, and I liked his work on the Bat books. Like, I thought he was really solid. But this is, is so far above anything I've seen from him. It's, his creatures are disgusting. They're disturbing. Um, there are things in this book... Uh, that'll make you uh, yell, oh shit. Because um, like Robert Kirkman, 
it doesn't seem that Scott Snyder is all that beholden to his characters. He'll he'll kill him off if it serves the story. And there was a, a death in um, one issue, and then there was a manipulation of that occurrence in issue, like say four. And I was like, oh my god, that's brilliant. That's just beautiful. And uh, that's par for the course with this with this title. It's just really. It's really well written. I like the premise. I like the the world, um, and it's horror based. So uh, you know that's my that's my uh, pork and beans right there. And <laughs> so I mean, if you're in for a good time, uh, it, the uh, action is fast and furious, but not at expense of the story. Like there's a little bit of Mad Max going on in uh, issue three into four. There's a, a a road chase, and it's very kinetic and and. And, uh, you know, widescreen. So uh, it's got action. It's got character moments. It's really, really well done. So uh, if you're looking for something else to add to your pull list, I would suggest Noctera from uh, Image. Really, really good stuff. Yeah. Well, you're enjoying it, boo. Yeah, I love it. Yep. I could see it has legs like Walking Dead. Like, if... if um, Snyder ascended to Kirkman status, and this was made into a, a a TV series. I think it has more longevity um, or built into the narrative than Walking Dead, because I like zombie movies. I love zombie movies, and I and for a while, Walking Dead was all that, right? But I mean, there's only so much you can do with a zombie, right? But the creatures in this book, like. Uh, animals turn, so you have a a, a never-ending stream of cool-looking, uh, you know, creeped-out monstrosities. People turn, so there's. I just think there's more. Uh, he's got a lot more leeway in the diversity of his villains, right? Where zombies are just always going to look like you know rotting dead people, which is fun, but I don't know how many years. What? How long? How long has Walking Dead been on? Eight years? Nine years? More? Forever? Yeah, forever. Forever of seeing just these shambling dead people. You know, it get, after a while it gets old. But I, I think there's there's grist for the mill here in Noctera. Should it be ever made into a TV series? I think it would be a visual treat. Uh, yeah, Noctera. Really, really good stuff. I mean, it's selling well. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. It's a top 20 book. Yep. It's an action picture. It's 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 um uh Resident Evil. It's a it's a lot like Resident Evil, but you know, with a different premise. But that you know how the those films mix the horror with the action, at least towards the end run. Uh it's it's along the same lines. There's 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 the big summer blockbuster, you know, action and then you have your traditional horror elements in it too. It just works for me. Yeah. Oh it uh, I stand correctly. It's not a top twenty book. I didn't realize. I forgot that uh, Diamond can't. Diamond doesn't have the DC numbers anymore. It's so weird. So it's it's a top twenty non DC book. That's <laughs> so strange. Yeah. It's weird. <laughs> uh, I mean, number one. Just have every, just every add everything down a notch. So this if, if this is if Nocturnal was twenty three with Batman as number one. So just it's still it, it's oh my god. Just do the math. You know what the number one book of May was. That wasn't a DC book, right? Uh, right. Yeah, uh, excluding uh, DC, I don't know what uh, how they did, but I would guess Heroes Reborn. 
No, that's oh wait, yeah, May. Oh, um, hmm. It's the book we're about to talk about. No shit. Wow, that's awesome. TNT, the last run to number three. That's an achievement for a company like IDW. Yeah, I think so. I don't think I... Number two was Red Room. (laughs) (laughs) There's a sea change going on. There really is. Crazy, right? Yeah, I can't wait to get my box and read that. It's... I'm... I need it. I'm white-knuckled. But uh, so the... the, uh, Another book uh, we all read was... uh, Jason just said it. Last Ronin number three. Uh, the credits on this book are, are, are it's, it's really, really strange. So uh, I'll tell you them. The, uh, the idea for the story is by Kevin Eastman, Peter Laird, and Tom Waltz. The actual script is by Tom Waltz and Kevin Eastman. The layouts are by Kevin Eastman. The pencils and inks are by Esau and Isaac Escorza. Ben Bishop and Kevin Eastman. <laughs> Color assists by Samuel Plata. Colors by Luis Antonio Delgado. And letters by Sean Lee. Like, there's a lot of hands in this this uh, production. Uh, but they're, yeah, I think it's all working. It's all working for me. Uh, like, Dap likes to um, comment that, you know, whenever the art style changes, uh, it, it, it's, it's sometimes jarring, right? But I think the way they have this set up where you have uh, slices of, of time and then another artist will, will take over or uh, you get a, uh, a recollection of the past uh, pertaining directly to the Turtles, that's when Kevin Eastman steps in, right? And he does his little um, idiosyncratic style. But I, I, J, Jason was saying that, uh, eh, you know, I read it. It, it it was it was a thing. I thought this was the best issue of the three so far. Wow. I, I yeah, I was on the I'm on the other end of that trade. That break the tie. I I liked it. I don't um I think I for a third issue because we still have two more to go, right? Um no, I didn't. I, I didn't dislike it by any means. Especially, I mean, we had two flashback pages by by, by Eastman Laird, which which made me smile. But the, um, I think the we I felt like we actually there was some momentum. I don't want to say finally, but you know, things actually moved forward. And and whether um, whether it's Casey doing her thing or a fugitoid or just just whatever. Things happened in this issue that I was kind of waiting to actually happen for the past two issues. We 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 had a lot of setting the stage and 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 showing us where we are. But this third issue, finally, um, I felt like this is this is what I'm here for. Now we're getting to we're we're, we're building up to it, so we can get to the knockdown drag out conclusion. But I feel like this is this is the issue we needed to get there. Uh, I don't see how... I'm going to spoil it, so if you haven't read Last Ronin number three, uh, you know, fast forward. Uh, maybe I'll put the timestamp on it, maybe not. If you see the on-screen death of Casey Jones and Leonardo and it doesn't do anything to you, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. The um, That scene alone, just... how it, it That scene hurt. 
here here we have two characters that have been with us since the early 80s in various forms from various publishers and then you see them brutally blown to smithereens that that didn't affect you on any level I see you're talking to me. No, I mean, but I don't care about those characters. Like, it's not, you know, I'm not, <laughs> like, I'm not, a, I'm not a turtle's mark, so it doesn't, I mean, I, I know the characters, and I know that they're important to the story, but I didn't, I mean, it didn't tug at my heartstrings. Uh, for me, it was the art. I mean, I, I, the art was all over the place. Like, like, regardless of the level of quality of each, of, I mean, there were, what, five different styles of art in the book? I, I that, that's unacceptable to me i found it really off-putting and especially because i think that the majority of the pages look like straight out of a zenoscope book and that like off totally offset the great pages we got from like this the baxter stockman invasion and the obviously the the flashback two page like like those were amazing and i think that it's like give me those like you guys have all the time in the world to do this book it's a hugely anticipated book it's selling well like don't don't give me like don't give me the pages that look like I just accidentally picked up a Zenoscope book. I don't know. Didn't work for me. Those pages didn't work for me. So I definitely not... Whatever I would have gotten from the story if they were all drawn differently probably would have come away much more excited. And I realize Turtles hasn't always been like super high-end fantastic art. I understand that. But this is like the premier book, the book that... supposed to the book to end all books. So... Like I don't know, man. Like, give me when you give me a a reveal or or a team up page, or you give me a page of 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 yeah, young buck shredder shredder spawn. I, like I, I I don't I don't want it to look like like you just graduated and it's like visual arts one one. It's it's rough to me. I, I really really found the art off putting. Okay, I can't agree, but. No, different, I, different I mean, strokes. It, it, yeah, that's what it is. I just, uh, I don't know. I'm surprised that it didn't bother you more. You hate inconsistent art, especially the same <laughs> I issue. I you do. You hate but when there's more than one style in a book, unless it like totally is part of the story. Right, and yeah, I think um, I think because uh, unlike the last time I wished about it was like from Injustice. Um, whereas you know you turn the page and it's a different art style, even though it's the same setting here we you know it's it's when when casey's running through the streets that's going to look a little different than um than april in in her uh in her lab and it it, just, it i didn't i think i was the i think i'm the opposite where you were where 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 the story was enough for me to overlook uh any inconsistencies um you know yeah especially when this is right next to you know Sophie's wonderful work on the main ongoing, and and how flawless that looks. Um, there are things where, surprisingly, the art didn't didn't bug me. Didn't didn't turn me off the way the way it would if this was some you know random issue of of uh, Fantastic Four or Justice League. This is this. I think the the weight of this story of this event um, is allowing me to overlook things I would bitch about in any normal random run of the mill book. Well, the the Baxter Stockman invasion sequence is not the same time period as April in the lab. 
Right. So it's a it's a flashback. So the yes. fact that it's a a different art style that doesn't bother me. Like it it wouldn't bother me as much if I thought that the main story with Casey Marie in particular was drawn well. I just okay. don't think it's drawn well. No, you don't. I mean, you, I'm not crucifying you. I'm not trying to yeah. anyway. But uh, you know, we all have our tastes and um I, I, I like we go from the page where where old and wrinkled April is like, all right, yeah, me too. And you have the big picture of, of the of the fugitoid, and then you turn the page, and it's like mind blowingly great art. And I'm like, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And then you go, and obviously, like you said, it culminates in the explosion, and and so that's a big chunk of it. And it's awesome. And then we're right back, and it's like, what what just happened? Like the, the it becomes lots of bodies positioned almost like they shrank they just did they went into photoshop and did like let me resize this so it fits into the panel like like they're they're not they're not layouts aren't cohesive the backgrounds aren't consistent um the anatomy's not totally totally uneven but not like in an artistic way where you where it's it's an aesthetic it's like literally like they sometimes didn't figure out how to draw the body right like they didn't have a model that they could look at I just was really, really. Sh- I was surprised and disappointed, frankly, of it from it. Uh, mm. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm assuming it's. I can't tell whether it's one of the Escorzas or the other, or a combination of them. I, I but uh, I would like it for. I would like for the Escorzas to be escorted out for the subsequent issues. <laughs> I see what you did there. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, um, yeah. Okay. I mean, agree to disagree. I guess uh, we don't want to keep beating that dead pony. But um, the thing that got me, uh, I think the, the the major heartbreak of this issue was that Casey and Leo were talking about the last words that we hear out of Casey and Leo's mouth. They're arguing over pizza. Yep. Like who's going to buy the pizza after this battle? And they're 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 um, seemingly um, on like either unaware or just plain um, not dealing with the amount of uh the the direness of the situation in which they're in like there's there's seemingly hundreds of mousers coming at them and robotic uh newfangled superpowered foot agents and they're just like yeah okay um you're gonna buy the pizza and uh well no i want pineapple like pineapple on it it's it, it it was it they play to the strengths of the legacy of the characters i think that these these two are buddies, they're in the face of certain death. They're talking about pizza, <laughs> and then that's the last we see of them. Boom! In the big reveal on the last page, uh, I I mean, is that something I'm supposed to know? Well, I think it it uh, it's supposed to hearken to the uh, turtle wagon, the toys. Yeah, yeah, the big van. Okay. Yeah, in this case, so it's, it's it's a super militarized, uh, yeah, armored. Tanked, yeah, got it. yeah, okay. kind of. Neat. But I gotta say, just to go back to the the last time we talked about this, Dap and I was right. It it, it was Professor Honeycutt. It was the Fugitoid's head, and um, just to pull Baxter Stockman into it and Honeycutt and uh, I, like this is in IDW continuity. So which which doesn't diverge too far from mirage continuity but you know there are moments where it does but for all intents and purposes this baxter stockman and this professor honeycutt this could be an earth two 
Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, right? Where the characters are, 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 are the ones we've known forever, but just slightly, slightly different. And so it still, it still hurts to see Fugitoid's head rolling around, right? And, and, you know, Baxter Stockman being an asshole as usual. Um, it's just. When did he stop being a fly? Did he, how did that happen? Oh, boy. Um, now you're making me, you have to make me remember here. I don't think that was covered in the IDW continuity. Because right okay. now he's the mayor of New York. So, yeah, and, and yeah, and, and oh, like since I started course, with uh, yeah, 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 I started when since I started with City at War. I didn't City at War. I didn't read the previous eight nine issues, so I don't, I don't know if he was ever a fly. I know he's not now, and if he was, it's never referenced. It's it's April is his uh, not his deputy mayor, but I mean she's either she's pretty high up in in his organization and uh you know it's never they never talk about him being a fly so i he's responsible for the whole well in in some ways the whole mutagen bomb that that uh responsible for for stoking the uh for the wall and and for um you know keeping people segregated yeah Um, yeah uh, and then make place a better place. And Honeycutt was working with Krang's father, and then later Krang, and then was just like, "The fuck am I doing? <laughs> Why am I doing this?" And so he, you know, um, downloaded his his uh, conscious his uh, consciousness into the 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 mechanoid uh, the robotic shell, and was apparently you know trapped in there. So, um, yeah, I just, you know, David and I are such an easy mark for the Turtles that uh, I'm not making excuses for this issue, but um, I I, I think it's it's super successful. I I, I love it in a lot of different ways. Yeah. I don't know if we're going to get Triceratons out of it. I doubt it. But <laughs> it, it would be nice if you know one of them makes an appearance uh, somehow. Maybe maybe uh, Shredder's grandson has a, a a project you know in the works where he has Triceraton elite guards or something. That'd be cool. Krang but, is totally out of the picture. I assume for a while now. Yeah, for a, a yeah, a good while. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Yep. It, it just it, it's. Yeah, it it just seems to be ticking um, ticking all the boxes for. I mean, yeah, some of the art obviously there, there, there's no denying it. You know, is is better in some pages than others. But um, I I think the, I felt like they and this is a me thing. I felt like they kind of glossed over post explosion. I mean, they they really did explain what everybody's been up to. You know, but. What, what what Mike's been doing and how April had to um, deal with it and and um, her rehab and whatnot, but it and maybe it's because we only got two of the pages from Eastman, but I I kind of wanted to see more of um, more things set in the past, more of of of. Mikey dealing with what he was dealing with 
and and uh, it went by. I felt it went by kind of quick, but that's that's it, it fit the story. You know what they're doing is you know that they moved it and 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 you know they they still did everything they had to do in this issue, but I I, I would have liked to have seen more of. Um, uh, grieving's not the right word, but I I would have liked to have seen more more of the events following the explosion and, and, and how everybody dealt with it. But we don't, we, we may got time for that. All right. Well, it, you know, there's two more issues, you know, it, it, there is. Yeah. But I think we already got, I mean, do we, where everybody's on this, I think everybody caught up to where they were and, and now this is where they are and where they have to be. And moving forward, I don't, I don't think they're going to dwell on that too much, but I, I I'm not going to complain if, if Eastman's got some more pages in him, he wants to, to, to share with us. But I think they're downplaying Mikey's uh, mutation. They mentioned it, but they're really not, as of this issue, they're really not capitalizing on it. And it's kind of neat that they take, uh, they took the heart and soul of the turtles, the the wisecracking, kid-like, innocent, relatively, uh, member of the group, and turned him essentially into Raphael. Yeah. The, yeah, this this Michelangelo is more Raphael than Mike, and it's it's that stings a little bit too to see you know this this kid like character hardened and grizzled and beaten down by the events of his past into this you know uh, s- sarcastic, uh, bleak, paranoid, uh, broken yeah broken character, and he's um, th- th- he's he's. A pessimist. April says, "I got, I got it. This is how we're going to do it. We got to take out Baxter Stockman first, and then we're going to go after uh, Shredder's grandson." And he's like, "That's not going to work. We're we're all going to die." Like he he doesn't. It, it, that's his initial reaction. Immediate. No, it's not going to work. Um, you you can keep talking, but I'm not listening anymore. And so that's not Mikey. Well, it obviously it is Mikey in this rea- reality. But that's not the Mikey when things were good, or or at least not as bleak as this. Mikey always had that glimmer of hope. He was always uh, um, the character that everybody, you know, that he 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 bolstered the team because he was like, yeah, look at me, I'm standing on my head, you know, just making people laugh. That's so far removed from this character that uh, I think that's the central theme of this, where it's just so doom and gloom. That uh, I don't know how they're going to pull it out if they pull it out. Uh, I I think the ending. So I assume he dies killing. I mean, I assume he dies in, in the final. I would assume, and then the the legacy. Uh, I don't think um, uh, that uh, Casey Marie is going to die. I think that she's going to be the, the torchbearer for whatever, and the, maybe they'll manipulate it in some way where uh, she lands with a, a group of similarly mutated i don't know i don't know how they're going to do it but uh i think uh the character of 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 hiroto is so one-sided that uh i wish we got to see a little bit more of of how he went from zero to to 180 you know like he's just all bad and it to the point where uh he he just um lies in in a, a sacred peace talk 
you know there's no there's no honor in that in in uh you know uh, attempting to draw your enemy towards you in a in a bid to stop the violence and the killing and then just pulling the rug out from like where's your honor dude at least shredder had some honor right this kid has has nothing he just thinks he's a god um and he's got so many safety nets too so he he believes he can't fail which is probably going to be his undoing right but again i agree with jason i, I think it's going to be a very uh it's going to be a very bleak and bloody ending we'll see yeah yeah who knows right oh well <laughs> what else you got it's uh oh i mean i read a lot of stuff this week I, I just couldn't for whatever reason i couldn't get enough comics and I, I, but that, I mean, that's usually, but I had the opportunity to read um, many comics. So um, if you'll indulge me, maybe I'll talk about Savage Avengers 21. Which is surprising to me only because I don't recall seeing Savage Avengers 1 through 20 on the list. So I'm assuming <laughs> you read them and it just never was worth the talking point. No, I picked and, uh, you know, I would pick and choose. Um, if, if the cover got me, like, I, I think I read issue one and two and then, yeah, you know, that was, a, that was pretty good, but the, the, for whatever reason it fell off my radar. And then as I would see it, uh, again, if the covers were intriguing to me, I would, I would go into it. But as far as the, the backstory leading up to this issue, I don't have all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, th- this really doesn't really need a lot of fleshing out, mm-hmm. uh, written by Jerry Duggan. Illustrated by Patrick Zercher, with color art by Hava Tartaglia. Um, this book scratched an itch in a what-if kind of way, because there are certain things, certain staples of the Marvel Universe that it would be like, wow, wouldn't that be cool if this happened to this character, or, you know, the ultimate nullifier was aimed at, you know, like goofy stuff that you haven't seen in the past, and as a as a fanboy geek out moment, it'd be kind of cool if this happened. This happened in this issue, because um, uh, when it opens, Conan is apparently apparently Conan is the king of the Hellfire Club. Now I, I thought, being a Conan fan, I thought, well, yeah, that's kind of a fitting position, given the character's achievements in the Hyborian Age. Like Conan was king, right? So that's that's neat. That that Duggan or whoever made him the the king of the Hellfire Club. That's cool, and um, Conan's been having nightmares of uh, of dying at the hands of Kulan Goth, um, nasty nasty uh, black sorcerer. And uh, but since he's Conan, he doesn't reveal a shred of weakness by referring to the experiences that, as nightmares. He calls them dreams. Out of my dreams, fall wizard. Like, no, you're having a nightmare, Conan. Yeah, come on, fess up, right? But um, it is a Donny Cates written book. So there's the requisite symbiote shenanigans in it. Um, Conan has a weapon, and it wraps it around his forearm, and it's a symbiote. And the the it can turn into a mace or a sword or a whip. You know, it's. Uh, but from what I can gleaned from this issue the symbiote was tortured at the hands of of kulan goth kind of neat but again 
more symbiotes. Okay. Does everybody have a symbiote? I don't know. But it, like I said, Donny Cates, so you give him a little leeway. That's his currency at the moment. So, you know, parlay, whatever. Is Cosmic Ghost Rider secretly cool on Goth? Uh, is what is cosmic ghost rider secretly cool on god no 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 i don't know but i don't think so right so um conan kind of has a run-in with emma frost conan just woke up on the floor of the fireplace room in the hellfire club and he's got a a naked lady with him and uh emma's like huh Uh, conan right before emma walked in Conan took the painting of Sebastian Shaw uh, from the mantle and threw it in the fire. And Emma's like, ah, I like your design choices. Really nice. And and um, she's she does not give Conan, you know, his due. Uh, and he reaches out to her and she just stops him dead, being Emma, right? And he's like, what the fuck? Like, he can't do anything against her. So he's kind of feeling some kind of way and he heads out into the city. And he witnesses this nightmare wave. Like there's people in the thrall of some kind of nightmares and they're all talking about this thing that's coming and they're, they're, some of them are flinging themselves out of windows and killing themselves. Some of them are shooting themselves in the head and, and, uh, he, he barges into an apartment complex where all the people are freaking out. Some of them are in their underwear, right? And he lays down the Elm Street law you know, on their asses, don't sleep, he can get you in your dreams, like, I don't know what he's talking about, it's probably some kind of symbiote thing, but, um, so in traditional Marvel style, in comes another hero, Ghost Rider, and Ghost Rider thinks that Conan's at the the source of this calamity, because he can smell Kulan Goth on him, and they're fighting, and it's Ghost Rider, right? So he subjects Conan to the penance stare. And Conan sticks his thumbs into Ghost Rider's eye sockets and cracks his skull open. He cracks his friggin' skull open. And the energy that pours from Ghost Rider's head transports Conan back to Aquilonia. And that's where the issue ends. But just the fact of Ghost Rider, his penance stare being essentially useless against Conan, that was awesome. Like, that's a, that's a moment that, you know, I won't forget to see a character that I absolutely adore, Conan, facing off against a character I really like, using the character's signature move, and Conan turns it back on him. Not only does he turn it back on him, he cracks his freaking skull open. Like, <laughs> it's it's awesome. It's, it, that was the one thing that I said, that if you had any reservations about Conan being inserted into the Marvel Universe proper, whether what they've done with the character before or what they're going to do after, this one moment makes it all worthwhile for me. Hmm. That Conan That's shrugged off. He shrugged off the penance stare, right? But yeah. uh, Jerry Duggan... I, he tears a, a page from the book of Jason Aaron. There's a mention of a Ghost Rider ancestor that was active during the Hyborian Age. And this, this Ghost Rider rides on top of this gigantic tarantula. Long story short, Conan was paid to take out this king that was a dickhead. And this Ghost Rider character came in and did his work for him. Conan kept the money. Didn't have to do anything. Uh, so, but Conan knows of this dude 
but has never faced him. And on the cover of the next issue, which was nicely provided in the back of this issue, on the front of it is this Ghost Rider character riding on the giant tarantula. So the fact that Conan has never faced him before is probably going to change. I thought it was a hell of a lot of fun. It went by in a in a blink. It, the the it's just a, a very fast reading issue. A lot of it's the fight between Conan and Ghost Rider. But this is one that I'm going to say. What were some of the high points? in in 2021 for me the 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 little kid in me reading conan paperbacks in the back of our car as we went on vacation or just loving the og ghost rider i thought this was great i I mean it's it's just it's again it's junk food it's complete junk food It, it it satiated me in the moment but it was really really tasty memorable junk food right i thought it was awesome nice yeah yeah, I mean, the whole premise of Savage Avengers, you know, seems to be, let's have Conan interacting, like, doing cool stuff with the Marvel Universe. So that's, you know, sounds like it's mission accomplished. Right? Ted, it, it, it uh, played to the strengths of the fanboy in me. Mm-hmm. I assume you saw the news, speaking of Donny Cates? Um, he's writing Hulk? Yes. Yeah, with... Uh, Ryan Otley. Yeah. Could not care less. Well, that's hurtful. No, Uh, I mean... You love Donnie Cates. I do. There's the part of the equation that I love. I'm not a huge Ryan Otley fan. Yeah, I mean, I really liked Otley when he was doing Invincible. I mean, so I... I, I, Me too. I won't won't say I don't like him, but but I will agree with you that his much ballyhooed run on Spider-Man did nothing for me. And nope. so, same. And, and coming off a book that we've all collectively praised for years now as like a transcendent work in in superhero work, I, it it is a tough act to follow. I'll give Kate's credit, man. He has balls of steel. Takes over Thor after Aaron. Takes over Hulk after after uh, Ewing. I mean, he is not afraid to be the guy that follows the guy. Right. I get it. Yeah, um, no, props to him for that. I mean, I, he, I'm with you. I'm not, like, expecting to love that book, and I, I don't, I'll be surprised if it's a book that I, I stick with, but, I, yeah, I mean, Cates is not a shrinking violet. He, he's ready for it. I think the problem I have with Otley, and I've, I believe I've said this before, is that his work on Invincible was, I mean, I could not separate Ryan Otley from Invincible. He was the Invincible guy. Yeah. And he defined that entire series for me. So to see him on Amazing Spider-Man, it just looked like that v- was taking place in the Invincible universe. Like it just didn't, yeah. I, 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 I yeah. couldn't yeah. connect to it. Yeah. And I, I, I'm not saying that Otley is, uh, I, maybe I shouldn't have said I'm not an Otley fan. I think his work on Invincible is amazing. Love mm-hmm. it. I think it's great. I'm not a Ryan Otley fan on any other project he chooses to do. Uh, th- maybe that sounds, you know... It, You're it's, just saying he's typecast in your mind and it's hard to He break. is, he is. And that's a... May, you know, like like Dap says, that maybe that's a me thing. I don't know. But... I, it's, the difference for me here is Otley, Otley can draw some big hulking, no pun intended, brutish dudes. And, and I think I think he's a better fit on a Hulk book than 
he was is on on a Spider-Man book. Uh, it's which is weird considering you know the look of, of Invincible, um, but it, it's you know you when when you follow you know when when, when you look at John Romita Senior and Ron Friends and everybody else over the years who has drawn Spider-Man and everybody in that book is is you know attractive uh, for some reason. It, it it the writing and the art with I'm uh, not gonna go on the writing anymore, but it it's the, Spider-Man just didn't look like what I wanted a Spider-Man book to look like. So it, it, it had a lot going against it. Whereas Hulk, I'm willing to give it a shot without Leon Art. Um I I you know, I haven't finished Invincible. Um I didn't get very far into it, so I don't you know, I, I, I don't associate obviously I know he, he was part of it after the first few issues and 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 just like you know adlard on the walking dead they weren't there at the beginning but you know that's who you think of when you think of the book when you visualize it um well he definitely made the book his own right i i i I think that uh you know it's it's very easy to uh typecast uh or or just associate him with that and and you don't want to see him do something else or anything else is just is going to pale um but i'm 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 interested to see what his what his Hulk is going to look like. Um, I am. I, I didn't read this week's forty seven, uh, but I, I'm current up, up to forty six on Immortal Hulk. So I'm I'm anxious to see how he's going to how how Al and company are going to um, wrap it all up, and then yeah, and then, and then see where it, it was hard for us while Aaron's run on Thor was going on. It was hard for us to see beyond his run and, 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 you know, when it eventually is going to end, what's going to happen after that, who would, who would, who would deign to follow. And, and, and it, it's, there was some worry and didn't need to be after all, but, um, and now we kind of have that worry with Hickman, although, you know, Ewing has, 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 or is it Duggan taking over X-Men? It's Duggan taking over X Men. Okay. Yeah. Um, who you know who's who's told some good stories as well, but you know, so now we have that worry with Hickman. But um, yeah, I, I and I'm pretty sure the Immortal Hulk's probably. I I, I I don't see. I didn't. I didn't catch the name of the new book, but it, it's it's he's not. It's not relaunch. He's not doing a new Immortal Hulk book. It's it's whatever version this Hulk. Is going well, to yeah, be. that's the escape hatch, right? Yeah, because the Hulk has assumed many guises over the the, the decades, right? Pantheon Hulk, Great Hulk, you know, Mister Fix It. So, Devil. yeah, Devil Hulk, and you know, so the the it's ingrained into the in the character to change to assume different identities or 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 modes, right? That's cool. So now they can take it somewhere else. I, for one, if I was Duggan, I would not want to keep it in the same groove as Immortal Hulk. There's no way that he would... He's, there's no way he's going to match okay, what, yeah, what Al yeah. did, you know? Yeah. So it, it's neat that it's... It, it, a new Hulk book is a reset button all the time. Um, you know, talking to Mr. Blue, like, where, where did that come from? So it, every every writer, every really great writer that tackles the Hulk, again, they they put their their unique spin on it. And, it, and in a lot of cases, Peter David... Uh, even Straczynski, it works, right? It, it 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 does. So I'm hoping that we get something wildly different 
from Al's take on it because you're not going to match that. You just, no, it's not going to happen. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, well, I mean, okay. Oh, Otley's not going to do the body horror that Bennett and company have been doing. So it's 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 going. I mean, vi- visually, it's going to be way different. It it it's it, it'll just be you know I I unfairly I think people are going to compare it to what came right before it uh, when when I it's it's going to be its own thing and yeah. just like it it's not fair to you know. Um, Ewing's Guardians compared to Donnie's, or even Donnie's Guardians compared to Abnett Landing already. But it, it's just, uh, I think, which is probably another good reason to have a new number one is that you know you can you can separate it from the volume that came before. I mean, I love keeping continuing the numbers. I mean, I'm just from that that era. But if you're going to give us a new number one and and make it look different. Um, that that's that's just the the period at the end of the sentence as far as I'm concerned. But it it's it's um yeah, I just I it, it'll I'm I'm optimistic. I'm I'm looking forward to it. I mean I'm not looking forward to a Mortal Hulk ending, but I'm looking I'm 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 not I'm not as worried as I would have been if um if anybody else was was, was going to take on the character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean Kate did he I mean he's kind of He's kind of getting a, a. Everyone sort of falls into having a reputation for doing certain tropes, and he's certainly falling into that of of being a guy that comes in in a title and kind of just like reboots it. And he, you know, just like he did with Thor. I mean, he essentially um, totally re- rebirthed Thor. I mean, the, the Thor he's writing about is like a post Ragnarok, like you know, completely reimagining where he like was powerless and then got new power. You know, so it's just. Like I presume that, and that was a way to get a clean break from Aaron. And I, it looks like from the little we've seen of the solicits and what he said about Hulk, not the Hulk, just Hulk, I guess. Uh, Hulk number one. It, it, it's it's going to be the same. It's I don't think it's going to have anything to do with what came with Immortal Hulk, and that's yeah. probably the smart play. Things like this, uh, the the Otley discussion. Um, I, I, I'm just gobsmacked at the way our minds connect with art that that first initial branding of whatever style it is we're looking at it sets the stage and it sets the tone for in onto infinity right like i can i as a kid um i had to go back and get issues of amazing spider-man and um when i started picking up the gil kane issues i was like wait a minute what the hell is this? Like, this is not... Where's the giant snake? You know, where's the jungle? This is not... What's Where's Kazar and Zebu? This is really strange. Um, There's there's no swords in this. Like, because Gil Kane, to me, at that point, was the guy that did really, really great barbarians and giant um, snakes and, 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 and... you know, dinosaur type creatures. And then when I, I saw him on Amazing, um, I, whoa, I, you know, it took me being young, it took me aback. Like I, I didn't, I didn't know how to connect with it. Right. And, and, and it's, you, you know, you could say that about, about many things. Luckily, the first Kirby I saw was Fantastic Four. So, I mean, you know, everything spiraled out of that Kirby for me. But you could say that for, for, for many artists, right? That your first, Im- the thing that first imprints, the, uh, their work that first imprints itself on you, that 
brands you. And from then on, I think either consciously or unconsciously, you compare everything after to that initial acceptance of their work, right? Like Frank Robbins, Invaders. Wait a minute. This is the shadow guy. Why, why is this book? This book's not dark. The, you know, and, and, and so you always go back to that first time. At least I, I do anyway. And I, I was wondering, you know, if you guys are the same way, where you, you encounter an artist's work that really makes an impression on you in a, genre, in a very, very particular genre. And then the thing, what with, you know, their, their jobs being very fluid, where they can be put on another project at the whim of whatever editor, right? How did how did you in the past, if you remember, how did you you explain away the fact that this is not the same thing that you first encountered from this artist? Hmm. Good question. Um because I do think somewhere in our subconscious, you know, we're probably not aware of it, but the 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 resonance of that first thing is still there. Like we we all remember. I'm sure Dap remembers the first Gil Kane book he ever opened up, right? Um, yeah, I think. I I mean, we do it to this day, where you know, we think if if oh if 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 there was. Uh, you know, if Dynamite's going to do a new Betty Page book, that you know, it'd be great if, if Dave Stevens was still alive, or Frank Cho would be perfect for that. You know, we know we know there are some people who were just good at at certain things, so we kind of put artists in, we put them in in genres we'd expect them to, we we we're familiar with them in, or we prefer to see them in. Um, but when I see when I saw Gil Kane on on Green Lantern, and and after seeing him. On Amazing Spider-Man because I wasn't old enough to read Green Lantern when it was coming out when he was drawing it, but um, I don't. For me, it was always it was mostly a style thing, not necessarily a, a, a setting thing. I was I, I knew I knew what a Burn book looked like, whether he was drawing X-Men or Alpha Flight or Fantastic Four, and and so didn't I, I? I loved his Fantastic Four. And that's what I tend to compare almost every other Fantastic Four to. But I didn't think that he was only good with. I, obviously, he was good with groups, but I didn't think, you know, that he was. He should have been pigeonholed to just do stories that were about a family or a bunch of scientists. Like I didn't. I it, it would have made sense for him to then just immediately go do challenges of the unknown or something. But um, that would have been typecast but uh i don't there are artists who i think are great at certain styles but i don't know if i'd ever say i I just want to keep them doing that particular genre if that makes sense for example bill sinkevich i was not a reader of moon knight i was so when i when i became a sinkevich fan through um, New Mutants and other projects he was working with at the time. I'm like, I'm gonna get every book this guy ever worked on. So I went back and and started buying oh. Moon Knight, and I was like, was what? Wait yeah. a minute, dude! No, I loved his fucking Moon Knight, and 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 yeah, yeah, it's the Neil Adams knockoff and clone or whatever. But I, I really and 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 those Munch Moon Knight stories. I mean, it was that was listen. I, you know, not not nothing against. 
Lemire, but that is that's my Moon Knight. That's that's what I think. I, I think of the Munch and 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 Sinkevich run, those those handful of issues, uh, direct market bi monthly Moon Knight. That's that that's pretty much where Moon Knight begins and ends for me. He's not exactly a fit. I'm not jammed at the bit to, to to read a Moon Knight story these days, but that's what I think of. So when I saw Sinkevich, and that's what I that's when I started seeing him I'm like I like this dude's work and then we get to New Mutants and I'm like I I, I had to see if it I kept checking the credits and, and I'd go to my Moon Knight books and then I'd go to I'm like this the same dude I'm like and yeah I mean I'm older now and it's I'm smarter but it's it's I was just like this is this is like how does somebody go like I know I understand your styles change and and you know, you, you, you work on improving your craft and, and you could see it in somebody, you know, you see it in someone like, like Byrne, for example, again, you know, you go back to his, you know, wheeling the chopper buncher, then, you know, you see Fantastic Four, you see even, um, then you go to Next Men, you, you see, you see the changes in his style. We say the same thing about Romita Jr. There, you see when people change and, and whether they're more comfortable with a pencil or they're, they've got deadlines to beat, whatever the reason is, you, you, you can see there are change, but I don't think I've ever to this day have seen anybody do and for the better, but do such a drastic change in their style from what the, well, Herb Trimby may come close, but, um, from, from Moon Knight Sienkiewicz to, New Mutants and Cabbage. Yeah. I, you know, now that I think about it, I think it's uh, it's a youth thing where, um, at least just speaking for myself, you don't realize that the versatility that's necessary to be a comic book illustrator, and, and I tell my, my students all the time, the the by far the most versatile the best illustrators ever to walk the planet were comic book illustrators. Because, um, case in point, my first exposure to Joe Kubert was Tarzan. And that is a very unique setting. Um, you know, there's there's not a whole lot of, uh, of uh, man-made stuff in Tarzan, right? A lot of it takes place in the jungle. You'll have your ships and, and you know, your horses and... and, and <coughs> that type of, of, of setting. But then when I later saw his work on Sergeant Rock, I was a little taken aback. Because here you have weapons of war, you have um, differently stylized human beings in, in combat gear, and you have, you know, planes and, and uh, exotic settings, not pertaining to the jungle in most cases, but, you know, the, the battlefield. And you had a very, very specific architecture uh whether you know say you're in the 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 back woods of a of a european country the the house the style of architecture is going to look very very different than if you looked out your window and you saw a house well that's not the same house that's wow this it looks like it could be at least to my young eyes it looks like it could be a faraway locale this is different right so for an illustrator you have to be able to draw everything and draw everything convincingly and draw it well and how many times I've heard, I don't really like drawn horses. Well, mm-hmm. you know, tough luck, Chuck, because, you know, if you call yourself an illustrator, find the damn reference and draw the damn horse and make it convincing. Like Joe Kubert did it on the fly. 
and he would draw a tank from memory and draw, you know, guys beaten down by war and make it look super convincing. Like, comic book artists are the best illustrators on the planet, bar none. And it, it, I think it's very, very true. But I, again, way back to where I started, I definitely think it's a youth thing where you don't realize that, you know, these are there's people behind the the images, and they can draw many, many things. You just stumbled upon this Tarzan book, and that's great. And you know, it, it set my world on fire and forever changed me. I got the guy's name tattooed on my arm, right? <laughs> so that was my starting point for Joe Kubert. And then when I made a, a, a lateral move to Sergeant Rock, I have to admit, I was I was stunned that it was the same guy. Now, yeah, with experience and knowledge, you, you realize that these are artists just working on jobs and doing it to the best of their damn ability. Uh, so the real world kind of seeps in. But when you're a young person and the magic of, of art impacts you in a very very particular way and then you see something different from that initial impact it's jarring i think it's very jarring so there you go yeah sorry for i mean that was it was cool it was fun Uh, it was great yeah but we got to bring this baby home oh fine we have to uh this has been 11 o'clock comics episode 741 sponsored by who discount comic book service dcbservice.com where you can get your books get them fast get them delivered right to your very door and you're not going to pay as much as the other guys you're you're, you're going to laugh and save and with that money you save you're going to buy more comics so make sure you have a room d- dedicated specifically to comics because dcbservice.com is going to fill them up in your travels, I champion this book as a spotlight uh, for the month, and I pre-ordered the singles, and I'm s- very, very glad I did, because it is one of the most unique comics I've read in a while. It was written by Aubrey Stitterson, with art by Tony Grigori, color art by Laverne Kinzierski. It's called... The Worst Dudes, number one. It's a a miniseries. If you're like me and uh, foul language, violence, and sexy time doesn't bother you, in fact, it invigorates you, well, then you're going to love this book because it is nothing but foul language, violence, and sexy time. Uh, the, The gist of the thing is... There is this empress. Uh, I don't know if she's the empress of the galaxy, but she's a very, very hoity-toity empress. Sits on a giant throne because she's big. And um, her husband, like Zeus, and I find it very fitting that her husband is called the Storm King, and he is a cloud the dude is a cloud with lightning bolts coming out of it. So the parallels to Zeus are very apparent, right? Um, her husband um, is can't just get enough of, the, of uh, the ladies. And he has had many affairs. One of them was with a Dazzler-esque pop star named Zephyr. And Zephyr's gone missing. So... 
Her Imperial Majesty wants this harlot found, if only to save face, to save the name of the Imperial family. She doesn't want the Zephyr telling tales or spreading, you know, the details of the incident with the Storm King. So the Imperial Majesty enlists the help of uh, a couple characters in, in finding the Zephyr. And one of them is a police officer named Sam Sugar, hard-boiled police officer, who in the beginning of the book tortures uh, a seal that's kind of Care Bearish, like it has a, a, an image on its chest, and it's torturing it to get information uh, on a very particular bad guy. And the language is just the opening dialogue balloon. If you're if you have, you're sensitive to foul language, <laughs> this is gonna curl your toes a little bit. So she enlists the aid of Sam Sugar, then a a thing uh, named Caligula Manomacho. He's an overweight, drug-addled, pink, feline ex-backup dancer. He used to be Zephyr's backup dancer, but whatever happened they split and and he's on his own now he can't get enough drugs and he can't get enough sex he's a giant pink cat uh and so she also adds her son to the equation her son's name is bang and this kid has delusions of godhood the funniest thing that happened in this issue was when bang meets caligula now remember caligula is a giant pink feline he calls him the one thing that he does not like to be called and that's a pussy <laughs> so you know pink pussy pink feline it's funny it's funny it's ridiculous <laughs> but i thought it was great um the uh, the artwork is very loose and 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 breezy and fluid and it's just it's sight gags and drug imbibing and foul language and killing and uh a lot of ne'er-do-wells in the book i just thought it was great it was wonderful the dialogue is disturbing and funny at the same time so if you uh i don't know if 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 you are your radar is pretty broad and you want to read something unlike anything you've read this month i would uh, seek out the worst dudes number one by aubrey nice. stitterson yeah. Looking forward to that. Oh, nice. yeah. It's so stupid. But it's a good kind of stupid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Silly. Silly stupid. Uh, uh, in your travels, um, this is something I've been um, I've been waiting for. I'm currently reading the, uh, the, the, the last bit of... Um, of back matter, but this is in Pictopia, published by Fantagraphics. This uh, is basically a large reprint of a uh, of a thirteen page short from um, the uh, the second issue of Anything Goes, which we've talked about in the past. It was a fundraising. Uh, series um, to help Fantagraphics, and in particular um, Gary Groth, uh, pay for his legal fees. Um, 
over the lawsuit that they won. But uh, so this this particular version um, is on the cover states by Donald Simpson with um, Mike Kazala, uh, Pete Poplowski, and Eric Vincent. The author's name, the writer of this story, is absent from the cover. It is still included in the credits on the inside uh, on the second page of the story. And the back half of this um, of this large collection um, of reprint this one collecting the one story. Uh, the, the the first piece of back matter is by Don Simpson, and it's um, it's titled "Name Dropping While Dropping the Name," and he discusses the adventure uh, this particular story in Pictopia has taken over the years, uh, traveling to different. It's supposed to be in different publishers. The the, the story has been reprinted. Uh, in a uh, in an anthology by Tomorrow's and um, and there have been instances where colors didn't really look all that great. It 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 wasn't as um, wasn't presented as it should have been. But every time Don Simpson um, reached out to his collaborator, and every time. Alan Moore had no problem with the story being reprinted, and he had said that at no point do I want any money for it. Uh, my share can go to the rest of the people involved in, in, in those who made the story possible. So, you know, um, Don and Eric, Mike, everybody's happy. Pete, they're all, you know, so that's great. They get a little bit more money for it. Um, but the story has lived on. And for me, maybe, but um, it's a little bit of a cult classic. It's one of my favorite stories from the entire anthology series, um, without a doubt. It, it's it just it hits me on so many different levels. When I was much younger, when I read it the first time, I did get everything. I got the, I was able to see the the analogs, and and I could tell you know who which characters were supposed to be. And that's, oh, that's Judge Dredd, and that's Plastic Man. You know, I, I knew who everybody was supposed to be, but I was too young to get everything that, that Moore was trying to say in the story. Um, and as I've gone back and read it over the years, things start to show a little bit. So, you know, Don talks about different avenues where this could have been seen. Um, and uh, in the most recent time, this particular publication, uh, Gary Groth reached out to Don and says, you know, well, Faith the Graphics can publish it again. We, we can publish it. And again, Simpson, you know, goes out to, um, to more and he's like, you know, listen, um, let's, you know, are you okay with us reprinting it again? And again, Moore's like, yeah. And, and, but this time I don't want, um, not only do I not want my royalties, I don't want my name attached to, the story at all and as it was discussed when this was when this was solicited in previews i believe since you asked why why not put more's name you know it, it's it's out there they they we know who wrote it why not why not have more's name on it and it's not um the reason is uh i i guess alan feels um 
wronged in some way. Uh, it, it's more told Simpson that um, then he's referred to as the author throughout this whole um, afterward. The author had taken exception to something written about him in an interview published in the Comics Journal. So Anything Goes was all about fighting a lawsuit uh, or, or being able to pay for a lawsuit that Michael Fleischer filed against Fantagraphics and the Comics Journal and Gary Groth. And now here, and Alan Moore was a part of that event to, to help Fantagraphics cover their legal fees. And now Moore is like, Fantagraphics has wronged me and, 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 and said something about me I didn't care for, so I'm not going to allow. And, and it's, it's, it's almost like it's going for a circle with the whole. And, and Harlan Ellison was involved because it was Harlan Ellison's interview that um, he basically called Fleischer batshit crazy because and he was actually praising Fleischer's work on Jonah Hex and DC and, and, and his DC work um, and Fleischer took offense to that and at that point he just decided that I'm, I'm, I'm suing so um, now here's it, it's just it's it's so weird that, that, that the way this whole uh, it's kind of gotten a life of its own but the part that I'm, I'm currently reading is that um, they have uh there's a little snippet, and this was actually, this oral history was done in 2010, so I don't know when this particular, uh, when these pages originally appeared, but um, I'm halfway through Return to Funny Town, which is a, um, which is folks like Groth and, um, and Simpson and Eric Vincent, and even Dennis Kitchen talking about how anything goes and this particular story came to be um and then his kitchen actually he's only got a small paragraph and he says um and and then his kitchen publisher of megaton man border world alien fire the spirit and steve caney magazine founder comic book legal defense fund he says when don had the opportunity to illustrate alan moore's in pictopia he was working out of the kitchen sink press complex in rural wisconsin my first reaction was negative i didn't want him to fall behind on megaton man which was an important title for kitchen sink at the time i was also not thrilled that my rival publisher fantagraphics was getting a foot in the door with don but whatever my misgivings when i saw the finished results i was truly impressed in pictopia is my favorite simpson comic and a highlight of the medium for this era so i'm i'm going to finish reading what everybody else has to say about um this whole this whole thing but yeah i i know that um you know it's 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 just something that i'm happy to have in your travels if you find it if if, if you didn't order it if still grab it uh in pictopia published by um by fantagraphics uh and i am so happy it's here two things yes it's bug fuck not bad shit. No, well, yes, okay. Don Simpson, actually, he does say he, he says um, uh, Harlan Ellison had described Michael Fleischer's work on Jonah Hex as bug fuck, but then later on, when they taught, when Gary Groth says uh, I conducted uh, an interview in an Ellisonian attempt to praise his work, Ellison referred to him as crazy as a bed bug, in quotes, and compared him to Robert E. Howard and H.R. Geiger, who he referred to respectively as a very sick person and a nutcase. So yes, Bugfuck yeah. was referenced, and, and Simpson does remember that vividly, um, but Groth goes on to throw a couple other words out there. It's ridiculous to me 
that Alan Moore wouldn't want his name on this because I know. he wrote it. Everybody yes. knows he wrote it. Like so, the fact that your name isn't on the cover, you can sleep better knowing that you're not on. Like it's just it, it's it's infantile. Like if I were Gary Groth and I had the rights to publish this thing, I would make damn sure Alan Moore's name's on the front cover. That sells books. Yes, and 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 Simpson even mentions that too. He's like, listen, I understand that some people are probably gonna. I'm gonna get some blowback from this. People are gonna just lump me in with every other publisher and creator that has wronged Alan over the years, and and by not ha- by not having his name on the cover, they're just going to assume that I am trying to rape his memory at my words and 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 it's like it, it is it, you're absolutely right it is i mean on one hand i get it you know more's a man of principle and and you know i'm i'm i don't want my name attached to anything that anybody else has had a chance to um work on or 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 just take advantage of and and but on the other, yeah, like you said, it, it's yeah, it's Alan it's ridiculous. going to sell books. Yeah, he's he wrote the greatest graphic novel in the history of comics. Put your damn name on it. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say it's not like this is anything new or or unique for Moore. This is what he does with everything. He right, doesn't have his name on Watch Me. Doesn't have his name on Miracle Man. Doesn't have his name on V for Vendetta. I mean, it's stupid. It's, it's very childish. It is. I, I've I I value the man as the greatest writer. In comics, right? Okay, we, that's a given. We all—I'm sure we all feel that way. But to 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 say that you know, just take my name off it—it's it's crazy childish. Whatever. Everyone, yeah, it's Pennywise and Pound Foolish. Too. Yeah. I mean, it's, even if he doesn't want the money, like the money could be put to use. He could use it for charity. Donate it to the Legal it, Defense Fund. Yeah, leave it for his wife. Leave it for his kids. Like there's, you know, that's just—I don't know. Right. And it's it's, and we already know everything you've mentioned, all the books you've mentioned. We know he wrote. So it's not like it's a surprise. It's not like it's a secret. It's not like anybody's going to ask. Oh, I don't see a writer's name on this. Who wrote it? We, yeah. we it's it's we already know. So it's just it's it's already. As far as I'm concerned, his name is on the cover. I don't see it, but his his name is on the cover just because he wrote the damn thing. That, that that's all there is to it. Yeah. Um. The epitaph. Alan Moore died, writer of Watchmen. V for Vin- like the, you're not going to escape it, Al. So no, just no. embrace it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. Uh, all right, so uh, in your travels, uh, if you haven't already heeded our multiple mentions of this book um, over the last year or so, um, this is probably maybe your, your, your last chance to heed us, and that is um, Aster of Pan. Mentioned it a few weeks ago in my best week ever. Didn't really talk about it that week, though. Um, Dap mentioned it when he first ordered it. Uh, he didn't talk about much about it either. Uh, but it's fantastic. It's a it's a European import. Uh, originally brought to the U.S. by Europe Comics, the awesome online digital-only uh, company that brings over tons and tons of great stuff. Um, but then Magnetic got a hold of it for the physical rights and put out, as they always do, a... In, incredibly well well uh constructed hardcover with spot varnish and it's it's fantastic but um but it's a it's a pretty pretty simple story it is post-apocalyptic dystopian but not in a um like the world's destroyed and like everything is is to shit it's it's 
far enough past the apocalypse that society's kind of returned to a new type of normal. normal. Um, and the book takes place in what used to be France in a place called the Fontainebleau. And it's essentially a story of a small shire named Pan, like Pan that's going about its business, finding happiness in its simplicity, which is to say they're a bunch of, uh, they're agrarian, they're a bunch of rice farmers, they're generally happy, they have a little society, but uh, but then the big bad Fortuna, which is kind of a roll-up, like, you know, mega megalopolis type of kingdom that's going around rolling up territories, shows up and says, you're a part of us now, you owe us a bunch of your rice, you know, we've seen this kind of trope before. And the long and the short of it is they have to enter into a contest to try and protect their freedom. And the contest, uh, Fortuna gets to make the rules, so it's definitely a stacked deck. But in essence, the the contest, it's, it's three rounds, and each round gets progressively more complicated. But it's basically souped-up dodgeball. And Aster, the titular character is an outsider in pan she lives there but she is not accepted because she wasn't born there so she's treated like a, a like an outsider and an outcast by most of the town outside of a few friends she has but uh just so happens that aster is incredible at uh this particular game and so they need to rely on her to uh for their own freedom and uh there's an undercurrent too where we we, we learn a lot more about aster's past and how it's connected to some of the other players on the other side of the uh, of the ledger, it's it's a it's a wonderful book. I mean, it's absolutely beautiful. Marwan's, like many of these European graphic novels, it's just incredibly detailed, so so well illustrated. It seems like it probably took them a decade to draw. Maybe it did. I don't know, but I uh, can't recommend it enough. And uh, it's readily available through Magnetic. You can order it in stock. You can order it on Amazon. So please do check out Aster of Pan. Do it. Listen to Jason. All right, folks. Hey, thank you for being here with us one more time. Uh, come back next time. Uh, in the meantime, a lot of times in there, join us on uh, Twitter, Reddit, Instagram, and Facebook. There's a huge, thriving uh, presences there. Go to patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. Check that stuff out. In the meantime, say goodnight. I'm going to compose a theme song that I'm going to insert into this segment after the good night so people just don't have to listen. And it's, and it, I mean, to us to talking until you say David. And it's not going to have anything recognizable that you can count the beats to get so you to said the. David. I did not say David. Okay. No. When did you hear it? Because you said good night, David. Go I said good night. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. David. Uh, so that's I'm going to insert it. It could be yeah. kind of no, I didn't. I only said it once. So we could have some kind of a thing where they can be occupied while you're looking at your watch. <laughs> it's coming. Okay. Yep. See, this part would be perfect because nobody's saying anything, and they'd be able to hear boop 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 stuff like that. I think you fumbled, buddy. Way you late. said you didn't say it. I did say Way it. Late. No, see. He said he didn't say it twice. No, I did say David. 
Go back. No, you, and then he said, you said it, and then you said, no, yeah, I haven't said it no. once. So it's, oh, yeah, boy. You did the good night, David. And so then I was like, all right. So that, it's like it's like grocery games. You know, it's three, two, one, go, and no one's going. But I'm like, so did you? So, no. So, it's yeah. back there. It's back yeah, there. Yeah, it's, it's way back there. Yep. So they'll get it next week. Oh, my goodness. There, it was. No, it was there. I'm not heated. I'm just, I, I just, I, I asked, and I didn't, I, I misheard. Hmm. Come back next week. That's it for that one.